0: Okay, you can see smiling faces. I've been told that I've got a bigger smile today. <laughs> I retired. This is nice. It is good to be here this morning though. Uh, we're going to talk today about uh, it's a, one of Jesus parables that he gave and he's talking about two different people, and they are. They represent two different backgrounds, They're nothing like each other. Probably never met each other. Uh, maybe maybe saw each other, um, but they're in Jerusalem. But probably never had a conversation. They never had a meal together, I would guess. They're two different, completely different attitudes. They came from two completely different religious backgrounds. Their spiritual conditions were very different. We're going to see that as we look at it. But it's two people that Jesus brought together in a parable to get a point across. And I think that's always good. When when Jesus teaches us, it's much better than any of the rest of us teaching us, isn't it? So we'll look forward to that. Let's pray again before we go any further. Father, we thank You so much uh, for allowing us to be in Your house today. We are Your children. We are the sheep of Your pasture. You have called us to come together and to worship as brothers and sisters in Christ. You've called us together to come and, and glorify you and that's what we do this morning father we, we praise you we worship and adore you because you are alone worthy of all our praise and all the glory that we could give you and so much more you are God and there is no God beside you father we are weak but you are strong we can only be one place but you can be everywhere at once and that you can be with every one of us wherever we happen to be and you always have been father we thank you for that knowledge We thank you that though we uh, we may be very limited in what we know. You are all-knowing. You know our hearts. You know the needs that we have this morning as we enter into this service. You know the places we are. Uh, There may be people here this morning who are suffering in one way or another. There, There may be fears in our lives. There may be pain that we're suffering or disappointments or whatever it is. You know every one of them. And we pray this morning as we meet together, Father, that you might... Move among us. We pray that You'd allow us for this time to to lay aside the things that might distract us and allow us to focus on Your Word. These are the words of Jesus Christ that we're looking at this morning. We pray that we would be instructed by them. pray that our lives would be changed because of them. And we just ask all that uh, that everything that is said and done in this service, and uh, today, uh, this morning, and then again this evening as we regather, that it might all be for Your honor and glory. We commit this time to You in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 18. This is going to be, I think, a very familiar passage in Scripture. Uh, I may have already said enough for you to know uh, where we're going with this. We're talking about the, the title of the lesson, for the message today would be the, just simply the Pharisee and the publican. Luke chapter 18, we'll start reading in verse 19. We're going to read this parable. So It's a short one, starting in verse nine. And he spake, he being Jesus, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men, as he starts, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess." And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. These are the words of Christ. He's talking about two different people, as I said earlier. And before we go any further, I just want to give you, if I can, some background. You've you've probably heard much of this before. I find I learn best by uh, reviewing things. When people tell me over, I'm hard-headed. And people tell me things enough times, i start to get it sometimes. So we'll go over some of this. I just want to talk a little bit about who the Pharisees were and, and who publicans were. Pharisees, it was a religious group, a Jewish religious group, and... We're told that they very likely originated with the body of Jews in the time when um, the political situation in and around the Middle East, the Greeks were, uh, there was a lot of Greek influence. Uh, We refer to it as as the area being Hellenized. They were coming under the Greek culture and the Greek teachings. Well, there were a group of people probably, uh, from what I read, maybe around the 2nd century B.C., uh, the, the Hellenization had reached the Jewish nation and people were becoming more, they were picking up the Greek culture and they were like, I like this, this is kind of cool. But there were a group of Jews who said no, absolutely not, we will hold to the word of God, we will hold to the law of God, we will not take on Greek culture. And these are the people who became known as the Pharisees and they held closely to the law of God. Uh, we're told that they were mainly rabbis and influential Jewish men. So there was a powerful group. They had a good start. But as we know, many of you probably already know this, they deteriorated. Deteriorated. That isn't a word, by the way. They deteriorated into a group of people who were very legalistic by the time that Jesus was, had started His ministry. Uh, they were very strict on the law. They didn't care so much about what God meant by the law. When God said, Thou shalt not commit uh, murder, it wasn't so much important to them that that's because you're you're sinning against god by by killing people that he created in his image that wasn't so much important as the the law itself you shall not kill and you shall not bear false witness it wouldn't have meant so much maybe to them that well that's because you can you can hurt people by bearing false witness against them that wasn't as important to them as the fact that you shall not bear false witness so they were very legalistic and they had um, Right this time, they had also deteriorated to the point. they had special <coughs> rituals of their own uh, and special rules, oral traditions that had been passed down from one generation to another. special ceremonies, ceremonial laws that they had added to God's law. And many of the Pharisees, they counted those special things, those additions to being just as important as Scripture we need to be guarded we very much want to guard against that don't we we, we hold strictly to the word of God but if I stood here and, and, and tried to teach you things that aren't included in the word of God you would never want to hold those as important as the word of God itself right I could tell you something really profound like, don't eat raw meat it's dangerous for you and you could say that's really great but you wouldn't put that on the same level of scripture would you well, it's almost that bad. The Pharisees had gotten, they had added so many things. And people looked at them and said, I can never, I can't be like them. They're great. They, they, they have all these rules and they, they follow all these rules. They made a, a pretense of having a superior righteousness. When these people walked into the room, you noticed them. They stood straight. And there was no doubt that's a Pharisee. You can almost imagine there were hushed tones when they came, oh, there's a Pharisee. He's here. We'll bow down to Him. He's holy. That sort of thing. And they made a great pretense of it. And they had, they had reached a point where they separated themselves from what they would, might refer to as the common people. We don't have anything to do with them because we're not going to rub elbows with them because something might rub off. We might pick up their slang or we might do something that these common people do that we would never... Do ourselves. So they were, they were very righteous in their own eyes. It, it's hard to fault their doctrine when it comes to the fact they held closely to the Word of God. It's hard to fault that, isn't it? You're not going to fault somebody who says, you know, I'm going to believe what the Word of God says and I'm, going to, I'm not going to come off of that. I'm not going to accept any other culture, whether it's Greek culture or modern American culture or whatever it is. I'm going to stick to what the Word of God teaches me. It's not hard to fault that, but it is very easy. To find fault with their attitudes, that superiority and that superior righteousness, and so as a result of that, the Pharisees have picked up a bad name uh, among Christianity, haven't they? They were often at odds with the Lord Jesus, and we may talk a little bit about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I guess one of the reasons that that, that uh, they were at odds with him is because they didn't respond. They didn't respond well to the gospel. Why not? The gospel is good news. If you repent and come to Jesus, you will be saved. If you will give your heart to Him, He will save you. If you repent of your sins, He will save you. There's the problem. The Pharisees didn't believe they were sinners. And so they didn't respond well to the gospel. I don't need that. Jesus said He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And they said, well, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. I'm, I'm right here among the, my friends, the law of God, every one of them. And so I follow them closely. So they didn't respond well to the gospel. That's who the Pharisees were. Very religious people. Now we come to the publicans. We'll talk a little bit about them. You know who they were, you've heard this term before. They were native people in uh, Roman provinces who were given the job, they were given the position of collecting Roman taxes. Now, in, Jew, in, in, in Israel, they were Jewish people, Jewish citizens who collected Roman taxes. If they were in a different country, they would have been citizens of that country who were hired uh, by the Romans to collect the taxes. They were traditionally, but what we're told is, uh, pretty much, the fact that they were tax collectors, first and foremost, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? Even in the the United States, perfectly good American citizens who would tell you they work for the IRS, you're like, I don't know if I trust you or not, we used to... I don't, some of you probably know him. He lives just down the road here, brother, uh, Junior Basham. He used to work for the IRS. When I found that out, I'm like, ooh, brother, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And so it was a joke that we had. But that says a lot. But these people were traditionally dishonest. It's not unusual at all to read in historical records and certainly in the scripture of, of publicans who would collect more than they were supposed to. Now the Roman government would set what the tax rate should be. And the publicans knew what that would be. But the publicans had the ability, they had the right to collect more than what the Romans demanded. And they had the freedom to keep what the overage was. And so many of them did that. They became quite wealthy off the backs of of working people. uh, uh, I won't say anything else about people becoming rich off the backs of working people. We're familiar with that in America, aren't we? These people were regarded as traitors. I could say something about our government. People also, some of them may be regarded as traitors. But I won't say too much. We're being recorded. They were regarded, though, they were regarded, all jokes aside, as traitors. They were shunned by other people. Certainly they would have been shunned by the Pharisees who thought they were better than other people anyway. But common people didn't want a publican to come and eat dinner with them. They didn't share bread with them. They didn't share a ride. You know, let's just, we, we both have to, go into the city, let's ride the same car together. It wouldn't be any of that. Now, in many respects they were hated and they were often excommunicated. You didn't want a publican to be in the synagogue with you either, necessarily, because they they were cast aside that much. But, according to Scripture, publicans were some of the first disciples who responded to John the Baptist when he started preaching repentance. And they were some of the first people to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ and His disciples when He started preaching the Gospel. Uh, Matthew, uh, one of the apostles, he was a publican. He had been a former tax collector. And I may have told you this before. I read this, and I think I read it in John MacArthur's book on 12 ordinary men. He said uh, one of the other of the apostles was one of the zealots. And he said the zealots, they were very, very much jewish people and he said if it hadn't been for the love of christ that zealot would have stabbed matthew in the back the first chance he got because he was a publican there would have been that kind of a disgrace among the apostles and that's probably true because the the publicans were that much disliked so that's who we've got we've got two characteristics of people two groups of people that are represented in this in this parable so let's look at what happened look in verse 10 we're told two men went up into the temple to pray the one a Pharisee, the other a Republican. They went up into the temple to pray. That's commendable activity, isn't it? They went in, they're in Jerusalem. We know that. That's where the temple was. So they went into the temple to pray. Isaiah 56, verse 7. The Lord speaking through Isaiah, He said, "My house shall be called in the house of prayer. And then He said, For all people. Everyone could come into the house of God, the temple, and pray. That's why it was there. They were to come there and worship. And God had said, You come. If you need to talk to me, you come. And you're welcome there. And so this Pharisee could go there, and so could this publican, and they could go and pray. Prayer. Praying is always good, right? It's always good when you pray. Isn't it? I've got question marks here beside in my notes. Sometimes prayers can maybe aren't that good. And we as as we look at these two men, we're going to look at the attitudes they had as they prayed. Look at the verses eleven and twelve. We see what the the Pharisee's attitude was. First of all, we see the Pharisee stood when he came and prayed. And I can imagine this man standing erect with his head held high. He didn't bow before God. He didn't bow his knee. He didn't bow his head. He didn't lay prostrate on the ground in front of a holy God. He stood there. In all of his Phariseeism, he stood before God. It's a very proud posture, isn't it? We read other, the posture of other people in, in Scripture when they wor, uh, worship and when they come before the Lord and they're bowed, aren't they? Because they recognize they're coming before a holy God and they are anything but holy. But in the eyes of this Pharisee, he wasn't sinful. He wasn't unholy. He was able to stand before an almighty God and bring what he considered a prayer in front, in, uh, before this God. And we're told that he prayed thus with himself. That's an interesting turn of phrase there, isn't it? He didn't say, Jesus didn't say he came in and he prayed to God. He said he prayed thus with himself. I think that means, it sounds like that prayer didn't get very far, doesn't it? Maybe this far in front of his face. But I, I'm not sure it, uh, it would be a prayer that we would consider went before God that day because he was praying with himself. He thanks God that he's not, get this, he thanks God that he's not like other men. I'm glad I'm not like other people. Would we dare come before Almighty God and say, God, I'm so thankful I'm not like other people. He said, I'm thankful that I'm not an extortioner. What's an extortioner? Some, uh, some extortion is when you use your position to get something that you don't, you don't deserve. You intimidate other people. Maybe you're a bully and you, you get something from people you don't deserve. He said, I'm glad I'm not one of those. I always get what I deserve. That's, his, that's the mentality. I don't have to, to force people to give me something I don't deserve because I deserve it all. I'm a Pharisee. And he says, I'm thankful that I'm not unjust. In other words, that term could mean ungodly. It could mean a heathen. It could mean um, a sinner. And he says, I'm thankful I'm not unjust. I get what I deserve because I deserve the best. It's not quite true, is it? None of us deserve the best, do we? Because we're all sinners. It's just this Pharisee didn't recognize that. He said, I'm glad I'm not an adulterer. We all know adultery is wrong. But you know what? It can go farther. than. And when we think of adultery, there's a very specific group of activities that we think of. But couldn't that go a little bit further? Couldn't it be any activity where you let your lust for something that you shouldn't have run amok? And you start grabbing after things you shouldn't have. It doesn't have to be sexual activity. It could be money that shouldn't be yours. It could be some kind of other kind of wealth. It could be prestige that you don't deserve. And you strive after it. And you're going to do everything you can. This Pharisee says, "I'm glad I'm not. I don't go that way. I, the things I get, I deserve them. I don't have to go after things. It's not my lust that leads me to get these things. It's just how good I am. These things just come to me." This is the kind of attitude that we see this man. He's praying with himself. And he says, and oh, by the way, I'm glad I'm not even like that publican over there. I don't don't work for the foreign government. I'm I'm dedicated to Israel. I'm a Jew of the Jews. He might say of himself, like Paul might have said one time, Paul of Tarsus, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He says this as he stands in the temple erect. And I can imagine people are looking at him Pharisees, when they entered the building, people did look at them, didn't they? And they saw these people and they see him standing there. He says, instead, he said, I'm not like them. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like that publican. Instead, I fast twice a week. You can almost imagine him saying something like, Lord, I fast twice a week. And if you look really close, I look a little peaked today because I haven't eaten in a couple of days. And Lord, I'm doing that for you. I'll serve you like this. And you can almost imagine those words just dripping off his tongue. There's no humility in this man at all at this point, is it? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Lord, you know I don't have much, but I give tithes of all of it. I'm just so righteous. You can almost hear that coming out of his prayer, can't you? I am being a bit facetious. I understand that. But what we hear dripping off this man in this prayer, what should be a prayer... Is arrogance, just pure unadulterated arrogance. Condescension. I'm glad I'm not like other people. There's no place for that when we come before the Lord, is there? There's no point, there's no place in that at all. He's praying with himself, not to a holy God. What an ugly thing that is. That's his attitude as he came to pray. Let's look at the publican's attitude. We see in verse 13. And the publican, the first thing we see is he's standing afar off. I take that to mean he's not even close to that Pharisee. What I see or what I, what I think that the people, common people in Jerusalem at that time, they would have looked at the Pharisees as these people are special. They hold to the law of God in a way that I never could. He, here's this publican looking at this man. I don't even deserve to get close to him because he keeps the law of God. He does fast. He is special and I'll never be there because I'm a sinner. I, I collect taxes for the Roman government for crying out loud. I can't be like this man. And when this Pharisee should have taken the responsibility to reach out to a publican and say, let me introduce you to, to the Lord and He can change your life. He didn't do that. He stood over. But I'm not glad I'm not like that guy over there. And the publicans standing afar off were told he would not so much as lift his eyes unto <clears throat> heaven. That's humility, isn't it? When the, when the Pharisee comes in, he's standing upright, he's erect. The, I can see this publican standing there with his head, I'm not looking up to heaven. I don't deserve it. And then we tell, <clears throat> we read here, he smote upon his breast. This touches me. He held himself in contempt before holy God. Shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't that be what every one of us does? He said, God be merciful to me a sinner. This man understood his guilt before holy God. And he understood God's mercy. Shouldn't we all do that? When we come before the Lord, we have to come understanding that at the very best, we can say a sinner has been saved by the grace of God. Nothing else. That's, that's all we can say. And when we come, we have the ability as we read the Scripture not only to understand how we stand before God, but we can understand His mercy to us, can't we? And we can be like that publican and say, God, I've sinned. But I'm calling on your mercy, because you said, If I come to you, you'll hear me. And you will be merciful to me. And that's what this publican is doing. He's coming there. He's not bargaining, by the way. Listen to his words. He stood afar off. He wouldn't so much as lift his voice or his eyes to heaven. He smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He does there's no bargaining there. God, if you will save me, I'll do this for you. I'll turn over a new leaf. And I'll take all the money that I've, that I've extorted from people. I'll give it to the, into the treasury and the temple here. I'll do all these things for you. There's none of that. There's no promises. God, if You'll, if you'll be merciful to me, I'll, I'll repent and I'll do better. There's none of that. He simply comes before a holy God and He says, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Because there is nothing I can do to earn Your forgiveness. Nothing. And we know that isn't it? There's nothing we can do to earn God's forgiveness. It comes because Jesus Christ earned it for us. He paid the price for us. So we see there's two completely different attitudes in these two prayers. Attitudes about these men that these men have about themselves and certainly attitudes that they have about God. So what was the result of their prayers? Look in verse 14. Jesus said, I'll tell you this man, he's just been talking about the publican, so that's who he's referring to here. This man, the publican, went down to his house justified. I like that. Look at the second word of verse 14, or the first two words. Maybe let's say it that way. I tell. This is Jesus speaking. There's no doubt about this. He said, I'm telling you, that man, that publican, went down to his house justified. There's no doubt here. The publican was forgiven. He was declared just in the eyes of a holy God. Why? Because he came to God in faith. Nothing else. He didn't have anything to offer God. He was a sinner. He simply said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God justified him. And then what, is, what about the Pharisee? What's the result there? Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down, this the publican went down to his house justified rather than the other. Rather than the other. The other one didn't go to his house justified. He hadn't been praying to God, had he? He'd been praying, praying to himself. I'm glad I'm not like this guy. I'm glad I'm not like anyone else around here. He didn't go to his house justified. As a matter of fact, there's no specific results even mentioned that came about because of his prayer. He just said the publican went to his house justified rather than the other. There's, there's no result here. Jesus didn't say, well, the other one went. and you know He finally turned around later. He turned over a new leaf, he came back to God. There's nothing of that. There's nothing. There's no specific thing mentioned that happened as a result of that Pharisee's prayer. Isn't that sad? When we come here, we, we come to prayer services here, we bring requests here, and, and there's not a one of us who can't say we know there's been a time when God answered a prayer on our behalf. Some of us can say, Oh, he's he's kept me from a lot of things. And I'll sit here and tell you this morning and you know this probably as well as I do there's a whole lot of things the Lord has protected us from delivered us from we had no idea about. It could have been our lives could have turned out so differently, couldn't they? Because he has he has done things for us. He has specifically answered prayers on our behalf. There have been times when other people have prayed for us and God has answered their prayers we didn't know they were praying for us. We didn't know what was coming toward us and we have no idea what the Lord delivered us from. Because he is just. He is faithful to answer those prayers. There's nothing of that given to us that that He did anything for this Pharisee. He prayed with Himself. He didn't pray to a Heavenly Father. He didn't pray to a holy God. He prayed with Himself. He did not seek forgiveness. He didn't come before God and say, God, I'm a sinner and I don't deserve You to do anything for me. But I sure wish You would. He didn't do that, did He? He didn't ask God for anything. All He did was say, I'm glad I'm good or... Than other people, he did his Pharisee thing. He seemed to think he didn't need anything from God, and there are people among us who think the same thing, and we should pity them and we should pray for them, shouldn't we? You know that publican, he could have just as well been praying for that Pharisee. Or there may be people here in this temple today that they don't they don't realize they need you. But I know good and well I do. And I want you to be merciful to me. But he could have prayed, if there's anybody in this temple today that doesn't realize they need you, Lord, would you open their eyes and let them see that? The Pharisee could have used that, couldn't he? The Pharisee was satisfied with himself. This is what we're seeing here. The publican went away justified by God. There's a difference between leaving a place of worship, being satisfied with yourself, and leaving a place of worship being justified by God, isn't there? That's a big difference. I can tell you which one I want to be. I want to be justified by God. There's lessons to be learned here. Look in uh, verse 14 again. Jesus said, "Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased." That term "abased" it mean it literally means to be brought low, to be humbled, to be humiliated. Someone who refuses God until the end of their life, it's worse than that. It's ultimately condemned because they didn't seek God's forgiveness, isn't it? Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. The Pharisee did exalt himself. He thanked God, but he thanked God because he was better than everybody else. He thanked God for the wrong reasons, didn't he? For false reasons. He wasn't better than anyone else. None of us are better than others, are we? But he exalted himself. He thanked God he never praised God, he never worshipped God. Not in this this parable at all. We didn't see that. He was in the temple. He was in the place of worship. But there's no indication that he worshipped God at all. Or that he thanked Him or praised Him. He never saw divine forgiveness. So Jesus said, everyone that exalted himself shall be abased. But then he said this, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That term literally means to be elevated, to be lifted up. Here we've got this publican He comes before God. He acknowledges his unworthiness. He is stooped over. I can imagine this man is bowed down because he knows he's a sinner. And Jesus said, he's humbled himself. God will lift him up. God will save him. God will forgive that sin. He will lift him up like no one else ever could. And so that's what the publican saw. He worshiped God with his attitude and with his demeanor. I think he came in there with a worshipful attitude and a worshipful posture even he was bowed down he wouldn't even look up to heaven now the jewish people we know this we've heard from history and, and if you've ever known jewish people you can you can pick up on this oftentimes they're very emotional they'll use their hands when they talk and when they when they worship we read a council and they would lift up their their uplifted palms to god they would look up to heaven and they would they would rejoice there was none of that when that publican came into the temple He's bowed down. He's not raising his hands to God. He he doesn't deserve to. The only thing he raises up to God is his voice. Lord, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's a completely different um, attitude. It's a lesson to be learned. He worshiped God. He threw himself on God's mercy. And he trusted Him for forgiveness. That's a completely different attitude than the Pharisee, isn't it? I want you to remember, you don't have to turn here, and I'm only going to read part of these two verses. Proverbs chapter six, starting in verse sixteen. The author of the Proverbs says this, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, ye, uh, ye seven are an abomination unto him, and the very first thing he lists is a proud look. Pride, boastfulness, arrogance. The same the thing that we saw when this Pharisee came into the temple to pray. It says God hates that. And he says it's an abomination. That's a strong word. That's that doesn't that's not an indicator that God dislikes a proud look or arrogance. It says God hates it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to engage in something that Scripture says very clearly God hates. That's that's dangerous ground to tread on, isn't it? This Pharisee was treading on very dangerous ground. So the lessons to be learned. Everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted at the hands of God. Now I want us to think about who it was Jesus was talking to when he gave the words of this parable. Look at verse 9. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. There were people who followed Jesus around and they said, I know Jesus. I follow Him. I'm one of His disciples. And yet, apparently, among that crowd, there were some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Isn't that sad? They trusted in themselves. That the term literally means they convinced themselves. Over time, they had convinced themselves that they were righteous. And it may have been nothing more than, well, I follow Jesus. It may have been like the Pharisee. Well, I, I do what the Bible says, you know, at least most of the time. There's people all around us who've convinced themselves that they're righteous. Think back before you were saved. Were you one of those people that had convinced yourself you were okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I didn't grow up in a family that where we attended church regularly. I grew up in a family where I was I was taught to respect the Bible, taught to respect God, to know there was a God. But I grew up in a family that seemed to have this attitude that, well, you know, as you're going through life, you do some good things, you do some bad things, and God's going to weigh it into balance, and if the good outweighs the bad, you'll go to heaven. Everything will be good. In a situation like that, with a mentality like that, you could convince yourself that you were righteous. Well, I'm good enough. I'll get to heaven someday because my good outweighs my bad. I'm not as bad as this publican over here. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not unjust. As the, as the Pharisee said, it would be easy to do that, wouldn't it? It says that uh, they, these people trusted in themselves. They convinced themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. That term despised it means it held other people in contempt. These are people who were following Jesus around and listening to His preaching and saying, I've convinced myself I'm righteous, but these other people, I just hold them in contempt because they're not as good as I am. Isn't that sad? Do you think there are people who follow Jesus around now that hold that same kind of an attitude? It's easy to do, I guess. His audience was people who trusted themselves. This was illustrated by the Pharisees. The Pharisees who probably saw no need of Jesus. They didn't need a Savior because they didn't consider themselves lost. Maybe some of the people that were following Jesus around, they had this attitude Maybe they thought, well, just because I know Jesus, that somehow that makes me better than everybody else, and I'll be okay. It's not enough to just know who Jesus is, is it? We have to rely on His salvation that He gives us because we put our trust in Him. And we believed His Word, and we've said, I cannot get into heaven on my goodness because I'm not that good. But Jesus was. He lived a sinless life, and He paid the price for us. And that's what what we... We can't trust in ourselves. We trust in Himself, don't we? It says that they were righteous. They trusted themselves that they were righteous. It's scary how many people that we know trust their own righteousness. It's scary how long the Lord let me go along thinking, trusting in my righteousness before He got my attention as a teenager. Just to, to live that long. There are people who die before they're teenagers. And the Lord... He, he reached out to me and he opened my eyes and showed me uh, you, you're a lousy sinner you're not righteous you're not good enough to get into my heaven you're not good enough to earn my favor only one could do that, Christ and he brought me to a place to, to put my faith in him Isaiah 64 says it very succinctly we are all as an unclean thing in the eyes of God and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags that's a very familiar passage of scripture to many yeah, I can go and I can go bring all of my righteousness, all my good deeds, and I can bring them to the Lord. And he'll say, "Yeah, that looks like filthy rags to me. But let me show you something that gets my attention. God can say, look at what Jesus did. He took your sin and He bore it on the cross. And He will save you. And I'm so thankful He did that He saved me. Our only righteousness comes from Him. The Pharisee, or anyone else. They don't have any righteousnesses to boast of in front of God. It says that these people in Jesus' audience, they despised others. I'm going to tell you something. The term saved by grace means that we as Christians have no right to despise anybody else. We don't have a right because, think about it, we were just as bad at one point as as anyone else around, and it may be even worse. And some of the things that we did, some of the things that we thought, some of the things that we engaged in. We don't have a right to despise someone else, do we? And we we can look at, the thing is, we can look at this passage and we can see the Pharisee having these sinful behaviors. And sometimes we can read right past that and not realize that there's a whole lot of Pharisee in every one of us from time to time. The temptation is always going to be there, isn't it? And the devil would like nothing more than for any of us to fall into being a Pharisee. So we have to be on guard against that, don't we? The Pharisee didn't recognize his need and he did not seek forgiveness. The publican recognized his sin and he sought God's forgiveness. God, be merciful to me a sinner. I don't have any excuse. You can go in there and say, God, before I I pray, just remember I helped that little old lady across the road the other day. And there was a cat up in a tree and I helped get it down for that little girl because she was heartbroken. And... And I did this, and I put some offering in the, you might not have noticed, but I put some offering in the plate when I came in while I go. And, well, I, I, didn't, I hadn't fasted for two days like a Pharisee, but <coughs> I skipped that Twinkie last night. I didn't have that after supper. And you know, I'm doing these things for you, Lord. And by the way, I'm, I'm a sinner. Could you, could you have mercy on me? He didn't do that, did he? He came in there and he said, I am a sinner. Please be merciful to me. That's the attitude that God's looking for. The world is full of Pharisees, isn't it? Again, we can, be, we can become them if we're not careful. We need to avoid that. And one way to do that is we don't compare our lives with the lives of other people. Because I'm going to tell you, you can always find somebody that, that looks more sinful than you do. It's, I heard a comedian say one time. He said, if you're ever feeling down on yourself, just go to a county fair and look around. And you're going to find somebody there that looks a whole lot worse than you do. And we could, we could take that approach. That sounds comical. But we could always look around and if we're comparing ourselves to other people, we could sound better than they are. What do we compare ourselves with? This right here, the Word of God. And when you compare yourself to this, you come away like that, like that public and you say, Lord, I'm not good enough to deserve you're, you're, you even paying attention to me. I'm certainly not good enough to, to deserve salvation. So we stop trusting in our own goodness. And we trust in the goodness of the Lord, don't we? We cast ourselves on Him. Because it's by His grace that we, any of us will ever be saved or ever were saved. His hand will lead us in the right direction. I hope this has been helpful to, to just come back and look at these two groups of people and think among ourselves, Okay, which group do I fall into? What, which one do I cl- more closely resemble, a Pharisee or a publican? We may be saved by the grace of God, but uh, we don't have we don't have a right to become Pharisees, do we? And it, I would say, if, if you're here this morning, if you never trusted Christ, now's the time. I, I would say, do not delay. Trust Him now. Do do just like that publican. Go before the Lord and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because He has said, if you come to Me, I will it no wise cast out. I'm not going to turn you away. You put your trust in Me, I'll save you, and you you can go away justified, just like that publican yeah I got my term right just like that publican did I don't want to be like a Pharisee that comes into the house of God and prays with myself And some would say I came to church came as I was and I left as I came I don't want that to be the case I want to come to God's house recognize that I'm a sinner who needs Him and I want to leave better than I came because I met with God and I hope that we can say that we did that today let's pray Father, thank You so much for allowing us to look into Your Word to see these two classifications of people. It was two individuals, but they represent two very different attitudes. The Pharisee who prayed with himself, who thought he was better than anyone else, who didn't come to Christ for salvation because he didn't need to. He didn't see himself as lost. And so he didn't think he needed to be found. And then the publican who recognized he was a sinner in the, in the the eyes of a holy God. He did not measure up. But Father, He came to You and He saw forgiveness. He put His faith in You. And that's the way anyone uh, gets saved by putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today who is who has never trusted Christ, that this would be the day they would do that. That they would they would yield their lives to Him. And those of us who have put our faith in Christ, Lord, would You help us to search our hearts. And if there's any, any tendency to be Uh, more pharisaic in our lives i pray that you would uh, squelch that i pray the holy spirit would put his finger on that show it to us that we might confess that too and that we might remain humble before you lord you are our god you are our savior you're the one who uh, redeemed us and the one who can keep us in your family and we thank you for that go with us as we go our separate ways father we ask it all in jesus name amen